Hi, I'm Spencer Christian. I've been a broadcast journalist and weathercaster for more than 50 years. And over those years, I've met many remarkable people. Remarkable people with remarkable insight. Now, I'll be talking with them about the issues of the day and about their personal journeys. I'll even share a few of my own. So come join me after the weather, and we'll learn together. Welcome to After the Weather. I'm your host, Spencer Christian. We have recently witnessed stunning developments in the U.S. Justice Department's investigation of Donald Trump. The FBI executed an unprecedented search warrant at Mar-a-Lago, the Florida home of the former president, to recover highly classified documents Trump had taken with him when he left the White House. Reaction to the FBI search was swift and, in some cases, violent, with many Trump supporters calling for attacks on the FBI and threatening a civil war. Joining me to sort this out is ABC7 News contributor Phil Mateer. Phil, thanks for being with me today. We uh, are happy to have you here. I this is an explosive situation, it seems to me. I don't say that lightly. How does it strike you? Well, it'd be nice to have a stun gun or a tranquilizer gun on hand to sort yeah. of calm things down, especially supporters of the former president. But in general, I mean, what we have here is, yes, we have an execution of a search warrant on the former president's Florida home. If there's one thing we know about Donald Trump and the establishment they both have a way of making each other look as bad as possible. And there seems to be no end to that talent. He is a hurricane. He has blown through the Republican Party. He blew through the Clinton dynasty. He blew through the Democratic dynasties. He's blown through the FBI. He's blown through impeachments. He just keeps spinning around. And we, like some fans of the Weather Channel, just keep chasing that storm because <laughs> yeah. it is the news, or at least that's become the news here. Right. It's like a never-ending OJ saga. But, but Phil, the, the storm, as you refer to, is bigger, or the bigger storm, I should say, is the reaction to the search before we even know what the search was all about or what has been uncovered. So shouldn't responsible people in the Republican Party be trying to tamp down the uh the reaction the the threats of violence the uh, there today already there was an exchange of gunfire at the FBI field office in Cincinnati between some guy wearing you know uh protective military gear and the police yes spencer i would absolutely agree with you that yeah we would like to see tapping down and uh we're not going to get it because Donald Trump still has a grip on the Republican Party and to a large extent to the Republican leadership. That is a fact. You can just look at the primary races that we've just seen. Right. We're seeing a country that is split. That is, And it's not new. It's just more vocal than we've seen, well, I would say in the last 40 or 50 years. You all might have to stretch back in your memory, but there was a time when America was even more divided and more violent than we're seeing now, or at least as, as a, as, as a political entity. And that's in 1968 and 67 and 69. That was, you know, George Wallace. We had a lot of different things going on. We had political assassinations. We had riots in the streets. This is different. A lot of this, like it or not, you and I have to bear a certain amount of responsibility for it because we are part of the third party political party in America. That's the media. <laughs> yeah. We're taking everything 
and we amplify it. And I mean we in a very big way. Don't take it personally. Right, because no. like it or not, you and I get lumped in with every other Internet site that is out there with conspiracy theories or the election was stolen, all that. It all gets mished together by people who are spending most of their time just trying to get through their days. And it's the loudest screams are the only ones that we seem to be putting out there. But those loud screams seem to be scarier than I can recall from the late 60s and early 70s. It, let, let me tell you what I mean. You you are right that we certainly bear a responsibility in our industry to present information in a you know reasonable, thoughtful, accurate fashion. Where are the responsible voices on the Republican side today saying, stop it with these calls for violence and civil war? Let's wait and see what comes out of this search. Well, the first thing is that they aren't uh, even going to acknowledge that those people who are calling for civil war are part of their group. And there's a good chance that they're not Republican, Spencer. They're just right. way out there. All right. Uh, that's the first thing. So th there's that. Uh, it's, you know, it's it's not pretty. I'm not I don't have I have more optimism than you do, because here's something else you have. You, you, we have to remember. That for what we always have talked to a long time about responsible voices. Remember in 1968, who was the head of the FBI? J. Edgar Hoover. He was the arm of the United States government, which basically held this nation or many people in this nation in terror or yeah. in threats yeah. for 30 years. And he was the legal arm of the government. That is scary. We don't have that now. What we have is a, a pop star politician of our creation who continues to whirl around and and sets off the, these these people. Right now, one question I would ask you is why are the Republicans doing this? The other one is why are people listening to Trump? <laughs> why are they following him? OK, still. <laughs> I'm not talking about the crazies, but that. And so want to answer me that question? Yeah, well, let me give you this answer. All the people I'm talking about here with this violent rhetoric are not necessarily the people we, you and I call the crazies. I'm talking about members of Congress. I'm talking about people like Mo Brooks and Marjorie Taylor Greene who are out there saying defund the FBI, defund the Department of Justice. Wait, 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 wait. Didn't, and I'm just, talking didn't about you and I just go through in San Francisco in the Bay Area people saying defund the police? Yeah. Yes, we did. And you know what? That died out, didn't it? It did. Because responsible no, uh, voices. Exactly. Uh, but but there's all but. It was an attack on the police, yeah. some of it justified, that was aimed at discrediting them, to defund them, to get rid of them. And it got to the point where people around here, were councils around here were voting for that. Now, calmer heads prevailed. Yes. But I don't see anybody, you know, but and, I don't and, see any calmer heads here, Phil. Uh, look at the Kevin McCarthy, the would be wannabe Speaker of the House, has already threatened Merrick Garland that if we take control, we meaning the Republicans in the fall, we're coming after you. But now that's that's kind of crazy talk for a man who hopes to become Speaker of the House, don't you think? Yeah. And I think Chuck Schumer's uh, getting on the steps of the Supreme Court and telling Neil Gorsuch and, and uh, Kavanaugh that uh, you've unleashed the, uh, the, do the, the, the winds and you're going to pay a price for what you've done by he did uh, say that. He did okay? say that. He did say that. So, so yeah, <laughs> I'm saying that this isn't this is a virus that's gotten in, in a lot of different places. Well, it certainly has. Well, you know, we're going to I don't have. And Kevin McCarthy has will bend with whatever wind takes him wherever he goes. There's no shortage of political opportunism here. Well, There's no true. shortage of it. We have a shortage of leadership. 
and an abundance of political opportunism. And I have to say, Spencer, I see it on both sides of the aisle, where it's opportunism for the moment, Trump's, nope, all punts intended, Trump's leadership. Yeah, well, that's for sure. I agree with that. And there is opportunism, obviously, throughout politics and all points in the political spectrum. It's just that we have seen violent people okay. with, with, with deadly weapons assault the U.S. Capitol at the calling of, of Trump. And many people in the Republican Party in responsible positions, positions of power, who may not have endorsed it or encouraged it, but they looked the other way as if that was okay. just another visit. I'm going to agree party. with you now. Let's let's move on to another little set fact. Right. Okay. The Democratic uh, operatives and party, they've spent $42 million promoting yep. pro-Trump crazy candidates yep. with the idea that, wow, if they can beat out the Republican, the, the, the reasonable Republican in the primary, we have a better chance of beating them in the, in the November election. Right. Number one, there's a chance they could get elected because we wound up with that with Donald Trump. Right. And number two, that erodes any idea of middle of the ground. If you're a Republican moderate, you don't have you don't, you one thing to worry about the Trumpers. But, oh, the Democrats who are over here saying that we got to end the crazies are supporting the other guy. I yep. mean, come on. Spencer. That's, that's <laughs> a that's a very good point. The, the only rational Republican I can name that Democrats are supporting right now in a primary is Liz Cheney. So a uh, uh, point well taken. But, we, you know, we've gotten away from what the search was all about, about Donald Trump and what he may or may not have done. Uh, what do you think they're looking for here? I, I don't know. I'm hoping that it's something of substance, Spencer. I hope yeah. that there's something in there. But I have I've been around FBI investigations before. Uh, you know, you, you can have high praise for the FBI and the yeah. justice system. I've always found them to be a mixed group. Uh, there's some competence. There's some, you know, blatant. There is some incompetence. Bureaucracies can be incredibly incompetent. They can get on a momentum of their own. If it's highly classified documents, okay. You can almost say you can hope for that because that justifies it. Yeah. If it's not, if it's like over the equivalent of overdue books or something like that, or memorabilia or stuff that isn't, then you say, well, what were you really trying to do? You're well, opening the door. That's one of the things that's kind of amazes me about all of us, everybody in this, is they always seem to open the door for criticism while they're doing things. And I go, if you better have something good and you're just going to reinforce the people saying, oh, it was a setup. You know, it's this back and forth. It's it's yeah. it's like you've had your Mueller investigation. You had yeah. your Comey investigation. You had this investigation, that investigation. And they're, they're, after a while, it becomes investigation, investigation. You got to come up with something. But don't you think that we know Merrick Garland well enough to know that he is methodical enough, cautious enough, and smart enough to have learned from the Mueller fiasco that he would not be making such a bold and potentially, well, explosive move if he weren't absolutely certain he's got the goods. I mean, he had to get a federal judge to sign off on this warrant. He had to prove to the to a federal judge. He had to make a case. That make a case that whatever it is that they thought was at Mar-a-Lago was a threat to our national security. You know something? It's going to be <laughs> I don't have the answer to that. I don't know what's behind door number three. Right. You know, but when that subpoena when when we find out what's behind door number three, on with the next part of the game show. The the country and the Justice Department has been up and down on this stuff. It was Hillary's emails. It was right. Donald Trump's this. It's it's this. It's that. It's always. Let me ask you, Spencer. Why are we always on the precipice? You know, well, we, that, I don't know the answer. To just that one. went through the COVID. 
we're we're dealing now with we're trying to make an economic comeback. It it's, could be a stumble, uh, and yet what we have here is, I I I I agree with you on on it. But I think it, it, historically we might say what a period of narcissism these people went through. Like it was all about them. Whether it's Donald Trump or Nancy Pelosi or Chuck Schumer or Joe Biden it's, or Kamala Harris, it's about them. And while the rest of America is trying to get on and and make it. You know, there's a disconnect here. Yeah, there is. There's no argument there. But is it not reasonable for us to be concerned about how fragile this democracy is? I, to me, January 6th showed once again the strength of the democracy. And the strength of the democracy is not the institutions. It is the people. It is the people. And in this case, the people and the institutions got the job done. It's They did. Congress did come back in session. Congress completed its tasks. The people in America respected that, or at least the overwhelming majority, and went to work that day, and the next day, and the next day. And that is America. That's what we do. And you're not going to upset that apple cart. So let's talk about that overwhelming majority then. All this stuff we're talking about right now, the the FBI search, uh, the reaction to it, the threats of violence, all that uh, factors into my question. How will all of this affect the November elections? When the the majority of people who vote in November vote, will they be driven by the stuff you and I are talking about right now, or will they be voting on the price of gas and groceries? No, they'll be voting on the price of gas and groceries. I mean, Spencer, you know, there's the Washington game, and then there's the, the, there's the game on Main Street. Just like in economics, there's the Wall Street, and then there's Main Street. I don't know how anybody, in all honesty, could vote for Donald Trump again. Donald Trump isn't on the ballot. His people are, and we, we've seen what that is. I, we'll have to see how the, the things play out. It doesn't help the Republicans, and it shouldn't help the Republicans because of their acquiescence to it. And those candidates, whether they're running for governor of Arizona or Senate in Georgia, should be held accountable for how they feel about that. And they will be. Believe me, the Democrats will make sure that they are accountable for it, especially since they help finance from getting there. That's true, too. But let's talk a little bit more about what Trump did or didn't do on January 6th. I mean, here was a guy who based on testimony we've seen before, heard before the January 6th committee, was okay with letting armed rioters uh, approach the the Capitol. He was okay with the chant of hang Mike Pence and basically, supposedly, reportedly said, you know, maybe Mike deserves that. I mean, you know, you're absolutely right, Spencer. Yeah. But, but, you know, there's a court of law that, you know, we're going through with Merritt Gartland and these latest questions. There's a court of law, you know, that is looking into Trump's businesses or there's agents. But there's also the court of public opinion. Mm-hmm. And uh, what Trump did and is very public. Everybody kind of knows it. I mean, there's not much left out there to say. You can have another investigation. And, you know, I'm all for the January 6th investigation. What we were asking was, you know, is what what affects people on Main Street? Right. 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 Now, if you served in Afghanistan or had people, ser- your family serve in Afghanistan, you might be wanting to know about something like that. Or maybe that's gotcha. If you have somebody that's died for fentanyl or you're seeing it on the streets of your city, you might want some kind of action. Yes. So I'm worried that the Democrats are going to hang too much on Donald Trump and, and hope that hmm. that swings it. 
because I'm afraid they could fall. Now, I, I don't think most people, even veterans who served in Afghanistan, see that the debacle there is a, as something that is as great a threat to our to our democracy, to the strength of our democracy, as okay. as they see the fallout, the, the January 6th events and, and what has followed it. I mean, th this this hits home in a way that, you know, something so far away doesn't seem to hit home. Maybe it should. But this seems to hit home in a way that has people, rational people, intelligent people worried that our democracy is really, really fragile. We have some groups out there that think Trump is, you know, that this is a great threat to the, the Trump and his people are a great threat to American democracy. They might have a point. They have a, his people that say, no, it's it's the Democratic establishment and, and, and the culture wars that are the threat to ex democracy and they're out there and they want to they're ready to see a, a you know a civil war and in between i think is about 60 percent of america that's saying uh you know i'm trying to make it through the day and, about, and my by the way my you know, is my 401k how's it doing how about liz cheney and adam kinzinger they certainly aren't left-wing democrats and they they almost regularly say that donald trump is a threat to our democracy i that is fine. It's <laughs> what they can do. I, Spencer, it's that's OK. Yeah. So, Spencer, let me ask you this. Yeah. How do we get people in this situation, given what it is and given the things that Washington does and says on a daily basis, including like supporting Democrats, supporting pro-Trump candidates? Yeah. How do you get people back to a, a reasonableness? Aren't, aren't both sides sort of stoking up the extremes? You know, throughout history, Phil, both sides have committed their sins. OK, but right now we're talking we're looking at almost an entire political party. And I'm for a two party system. You know, I'm not here defending Democrats and attacking Republicans. I want to see rational people in both parties governing the country in a thoughtful way. And at the moment, we see one party that is going quite radical, uh, turning its back turning its head to violent um, uh, threats, even if it's not encouraging it. And that's that's concerning to me. OK, so again, if you want the people to come together, how do you want to fix that? Well, I, you know, something those people you're referring to. Yeah. Uh, didn't inherit the titles. They weren't they were voted in. They were voted in. They're voted in. Yeah. So like it or not, you have to somewhere address the people. So, you know, where where is that line? That's what that's what scares me is that we have we have the, it's it's everybody has adopted the Lee Atwater game. Oh. All we need is 50 percent plus one. Nice. We don't have to be right. We don't have to unite. All yeah. we got to do is beat them by one. Yeah. And Lee and that's become, was... That has become the mainstay. Let's win. The just end for, justifies the means. Just Let's for people... go for it. Just for people who aren't as old as you and I are and remember Lee Atwater, um, he was a pretty ruthless guy who uh, repented on his deathbed, said he was sorry for all the dirty political deeds that he encouraged or participated in. You got a guy elected president along the way, right? Well, yeah, he helped elect. And him. has that philosophy, that philosophy reigns till today. Because yeah, I can does. hear it on California state politics. We don't have to be right. We don't have to get everybody. We just have to have 50 plus one.
Where does where does that leave us? You were talking about the power resting in the hands of the people. I I, I need some encouragement from you because uh, listen, I, I love I love talking to you about these issues uh, because you're well informed and you're thoughtful and you're smart and all that. But you also give me hope at moments when I when my hope is fading. I honestly believe, Phil, that that our democracy is in danger right now. So let's say we have another round of hearings like we've been having for the last what what was the first one whitewater yeah, whitewater yep and that okay. proved to be nothing but a failed uh real estate investment it, they didn't find any any you know and, and crimes how, how, been... how big did that play out how many how many years did that play out for the clintons uh, oh for years many years and we it wound up with well with, into the second term of the presidency that led to this and that okay yeah. so we survived that so so aside from the hearings what, what we else survived that it? because it was nothing it was a failed real estate well, i wound investment. up with the impeachment of a president oh no that was for something different that was that, for no getting... it landed it started the it triggered the uh oh I Kevin see. You're, you're saying one led to the next and to the next and to the yeah. next right right Okay, yep. and where we had Democrats saying that Republicans were trying to unlawfully uh, remove Bill Clinton from office, right? Right. Okay. So let's say we have another round of hearings. Right. What then? That doesn't that doesn't hand the government over to uh, a dictatorship. No, but it paves the way for Donald Trump to run again and win again. How does he win again? How does he win? Yeah. Well, he's got a huge amount of support out there. I mean, he won once before. Of course, he lost the last. He won't acknowledge that he lost the last time, but he lost the last time around. But if enough fervor is whipped up over this um, search of his his uh, mansion. It's and, not going to be that big a fervor. It's you don't think so? Not. You think this no. is going to? Well, well, tell me how, how long it'll take for this to die off, because I'm, I'm eager for it to happen. Till the next one. <laughs> <laughs> I love it. I love it. Phil, uh, you must be, I don't know if I should call you the eternal optimist or just the eternal realist. I'm sure there'll be much more for us to talk about regarding this, but at least for right now, you've been very reassuring <laughs> and very engaging. It's always fun to talk to you, Phil. Thanks for being with us. On stay After optimistic, you know, keep the faith. I'll stay engaged and I'll stay inquisitive. That's for sure. Thanks, Phil. Thanks for being with us on After the Weather. Thank you to our guest for joining us today, and thank you for listening. After the Weather is a product of ABC7. Be sure to subscribe, and if you liked our program, give us a rating on Apple Podcasts or wherever you listen to us. We'll talk to you next time. Take care.